I love the difference between hospitality and entertainment. So many of us think that when we have people over at our house, we have to entertain them and they walk in and go, oh my goodness, your house is so clean. Your, your, oh, the details are just great. And I love stories about people who are good at entertaining guests and also good at hospitality. And I, I just heard the story about a couple that loved having people over to their house and, and they got the house ready. I mean, everything was clean. Nothing was stuffed under the bed. It was actually in the place where it goes and, and they, they got the dinner ready and every course was just perfectly paired with the appetizers and, and their drinks and, and they set the table just right. And even like, you know it's fancy when you've got the little forks going at the, at the dinner table and they got everything set, candles lit, music is going and the, the couple sits down and the husband turns to his wife and says, who's coming over for dinner tonight? And she goes, wait, who did you invite to dinner tonight? And there's this moment where they realized they dropped the ball. They've set this beautiful table for, for guests to come and there was no one to enjoy it. And this, as a pastor, I immediately go towards church and how easy is it for us to get into the, the routine of, of, of gathering like this online with you or, or going through a program and forget the reason why we're doing this and it's about people. To forget the reason why God has put the local church on the planet. It's to advance God's mission and to, to rescue people and to see people grow in maturity and wisdom and and we're in a season looking forward to, to what's coming next where it's important for us to, to, to reset and to remember why we do things and to keep the main thing the main thing and not, not get so, so, so enamored with good things like the details and setting the table just right, but to remember that this is about people and, and this is what God cares about is, is people and seeing them grow in their relationship with Jesus. Uh, and when I think about this, Colossians 1.28 comes to the front of my mind. The past couple of years, this verse is what we have been praying for you. And it goes like this. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Now, there's, there's, there's an element of being playful. We always want to have a little kid inside of us. But as we're growing, we need to mature. We don't, we don't uh, function like we can when we're still struggling with the same habits, the same sins, the same dysfunctions as we were six weeks ago, six months ago, six years ago, or even six decades ago. That's not God's dream for us. And this isn't about becoming some sort of superhuman or, 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 or perfection isn't the goal. Like we become fully mature when we are with Christ. That's the outcome of daily, moment by moment, day by day, being connected to Jesus Christ. And as we do that, the outcome is full maturity. The outcome is, is living a life where our actions and our words they match up to all these wonderful things that we believe. It's possible to have all the right beliefs and still act like an emotional infant. That is not God's dream for you, and that is not God's dream for the people in our church community. 
That, that now more than ever, the world and the culture needs a church family that presents a non-anxious presence online in their conversations, in their neighborhoods, that, that is, 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 uh, has, a, has an anchor that's not tossed to and fro by all the craziness in the world. The world needs right now the, uh, a group of people that have, have experienced God's healing and have been filled up from the inside that they become so much so that they become a light in the darkness. And I love how, how God describes like a group of people who, who are this countercultural group in a society. He describes the kingdom of God as a mustard seed that, that starts out small, but as it grows throughout the, throughout the garden, it grows into this thing that can provide shade and rest. Like That may seem like a, a, a really tall order where you are right now. You may say, Mike, that sounds great, but you don't know like the kind of week I've had. Well, maybe for you, it's just a reminder. Like God wants to, to make that true of you. And God wants you to be a part of a family that's becoming that. And we may be in different parts of the journey towards full maturity, but listen up today because God, this is what God wants to make us into. The kind of people that can grow and be strong and together provide shade for others who needs it. And this is our mission at Solid Ground Church. It's a mission for those of us that are, that are insiders and consider this our church home, but it's also our mission for, for those that are outside of the faith. It's for us to proclaim the good news. I like saying good news like this, that to proclaim God's story and to teach people with wisdom so Jesus can change their life. That's our journey as Jesus followers, to be with Jesus and allow Jesus to grow us into full maturity. And this week, as, as we continue our exploration of, of what it looks like to pass the baton to the next generation and to, to, to make sure that we're not just setting an empty table, our mission with young people is to help them grow into full maturity in Christ. To tell our young people the good news of God's story and to watch Jesus transform their lives. And uh, so that's what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. Uh, and I think we're all sitting there going like, okay, yes, we get it. Like I've got teenagers in my life, maybe, maybe nieces or nephews, maybe you're raising uh, young children. God bless you if you are. I don't think this is something that we need to persuade. I'm not trying to persuade you today of the importance of, of raising up the next generation into full maturity in Christ. But today, let's, let's take a look at what that actually looks like. It's a great idea, but let's, let's look at Scripture and put some flesh on the bones of what it looks like to, to raise up a, a young man or a young woman that becomes fully mature in Christ. And what I'd like to do is start at the, the end, uh, start at, at the goal and work backwards. And Jesus, obviously, is the goal so what does it look like to raise kids that, that think and act and, and are in the world like Jesus is? And there's this passage in Luke chapter 2 that I want to set up for you. Um, Jesus was going in, in Luke chapter 2. Um, they were going to Jerusalem. That was their family custom every year to travel south 
from Nazareth to Jerusalem go up this giant mountain, a long journey for this Passover celebration. And these, these Jewish Passover festivals were amazing. Uh, and it, it, in this passage, Jesus is 12, so he's done this before. Uh, and when you get there, I mean, you look out at the city and, and there's uh, food and vendors and, and people coming from all over the world to go to this, this Passover celebration. And it's days and days of, of, did I mention food? Really good food, seeing relatives, uh, telling stories around the campfire. And um, in the story, Jesus is participating in this. I love to serve a Jesus that knows how to party the right way. And Jesus was there. And as the text tells us, when it was over, Mary and Joseph went home and they assumed that Jesus went home with, with the group, with their party. But Jesus stayed behind. He was, he was in the temple. And, and his parents were walking back a whole day's journey before they started to search for Jesus. So they started to search in this, I'm picturing this gigantic caravan of people. And for three days, they searched and searched among all the different families and all the groups. If you've ever looked for your kid, you know, it's, it's not a stretch for you to know, like the anxiety Mary and Joseph must have felt. And after three days of searching, they had backtracked all the way back to Jerusalem and found Jesus in the temple courts listening to the teaching of the Torah, asking questions. And as he was talking, the people were amazed at his answers. Now, this is a personal goal for me, for all my 12-year-olds in my family. I want them to teach at church and, and for people to be amazed. Okay, that's a little bit of a high goal. And it's Jesus after all. But I love the fact that Jesus is, is doing what he's put on earth for. He's proclaiming the good news. He's wowing the crowds. And I love the contrast. I love how Jesus' humanity is brought out in the story. After three days of looking for their son, Mary and Joseph come in. I'm picturing it like, Jesus, where were you? How dare you? And Jesus doesn't answer back, well, I'm the Messiah. Oh, who are you? Or, or like most of us responded when we were teenagers, I can do what I want. Jesus obeyed. And uh, he did say, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? That had to sting a little bit, but I don't think Jesus said it with stank on it. He just was doing what he was put on earth for, to be in his father's house and to be about his father's business. But I want to highlight this next verse in Luke 2.52 for us. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That's what we want at solid ground. And as, as Jesus followers, we want our next generation to follow the pattern and path of Jesus, to grow in wisdom, to grow in stature, and to grow in favor with God and man. So that'll be just the, the template for the rest of our time together. Uh, at, at solid ground, we want our kids to grow in wisdom. And the way I've always viewed this is that, that with kids, like with solid ground kids, I picture a, a young person like a suitcase, but we, we get the kids at you know, whatever age. They come to us in the nursery. We, we wanna pray for them every single day, even if the, we want them to hear a Bible story every single day. We want them to have a lot of fun too and be safe. But from, from nursery, on up to about 10, 11, 12 years old, 
They're this suitcase where we're putting ideas in their head. Uh, we're, we're telling them the stories. We want them to know the basics. We want them to, to be familiar with all of the, the characters in the Bible. And then as they transition to our youth ministry, uh, we, we put a handle on that suitcase so that, so that the kids can, can carry all of these ideas into real life. Once, once they get old enough to where Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, doesn't quite cut it. You know, as you're going through your teenage years, just developmentally, life gets more complicated. You can feel more emotions than happy and sad, or the emotions a lot of our kids that are younger uh, feel, which is full throttle energy and unconscious. Like there's things in between that. Uh, but our youth need to, to know how to apply God's truth, the truth, in their day-to-day -day life. So in youth, we want to put a handle on that suitcase so that they can take it into to their everyday interactions. And for us, our, our youth ministry, we want them to grow in youth in wisdom, but it's not merely about education. That's where the handle comes in. This is about discipleship and transformation. I love all the time with our, our private school that we have here at Solid Ground. It's a ministry of our church. We're not trying to be a different, better version of public school. Like We have a completely different mission. It's about transforming lives and raising up, first and foremost, these young people to follow Jesus all the days of their lives. Academics and instruction are a part of that, but that's a means to an end. The end goal is for them to be fully mature in Christ. So we want our kids to grow in wisdom. And we, we take that very seriously. But I like this part too. Because Jesus was, was fully God and fully human. And it, it mentioned that Jesus grew in stature. Physical growth, is, is, it's pretty much given. We want our kids to be healthy. So all the moms and dads out there, we're, we're watching what snacks we give your kids when they come to church. Uh, we'll throw a lollipop in there every now and then. But we want them to grow healthy. We want them to be active. We want to model that for our kids as well. And I keep thinking about that, that verse in Colossians, you know, that we want to present everyone fully mature in Christ. And I think that, that physical growing, physical maturity, more or less under ideal conditions with plenty of rest, sleep, and some emotional support, maturity, your, your physical maturity is a given. But emotional maturity is not. And that, that's got to be included in our thinking as we, as we approach these next generations coming up. Like, it's not just about teaching them Bible facts, which are important. We want them in the scriptures. But this next generation needs to know why God said, why God gave us these stories, these letters, these poems, these, these narratives, what's the heart behind it? Not just the letter of the law. So they know why we do what we do. I don't want any of our kids growing up thinking about Christianity is merely a long list of things we don't do. When we follow God, the list of things that we do engage in are so much longer than the things we avoid. God, I, I, the words of Jesus are, I came to give them life and life more abundantly. Or as Eugene Peterson puts it, I came to give them a more full and better life than they ever knew. So we want them to grow in wisdom 
and physical maturity and, and also emotional maturity and stature. And one of the ways we do that is, is, is continually reminding them of God's heart and Jesus's heart towards them. In the last part of Luke 2.52, it says, they grew in favor with God and man. And when I think of that, I think about how God isn't after compliance from you and me. Now, I've, I've had to check my heart so many times as a dad. I've got a, a 13-year-old, uh, an almost 11-year-old, and an almost 6-year-old. And when your kids are a certain age and they're small and you say, put on your jacket, and they say no, guess what happens? I'm physically strong enough to gently, but make sure they put on that jacket. But once they get to be 16, what's gonna happen? When they get to be 18, what's gonna happen? Putting on a jacket is good for you. They need to know why, but I'm checking my own heart that I don't merely want compliant kids. I want kids that have a heart to do what's right. I want kids to obey me as a father I want to raise them that they have transformed hearts to where they're passionate about obeying Jesus. Every night I pray over my children, God, please give them a hunger and a thirst for you. God, would you please make yourself real to them so that their faith isn't just my faith or something they do just because they're Mike and Marie's kid. I want them to have what John Wesley called the strange warming of the heart experience, whether it's in youth group whether it's as we're sitting around the family dinner table and God starts connecting the dots for them, or maybe it's a summer camp. But at solid ground, we're not after just compliance with God's laws and compliant obedience. And that's God's heart for you too. Maybe there's a little teenager inside of you that God's speaking to now going, oh, no, 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 it's not about the letter of the law. I don't want you merely to comply. I want you to know that you're my kid and I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. Like, I'm trying to show you the best way to live. And as we grow in favor with God, and man, there's a huge component to this that that revolves around emotional intelligence and integrity. Like this next generation and those of us who aren't in the next generation need a good, healthy reminder that, that this life is not just about results and accomplishments. And to take a reset button and look at what Jesus said is success in the kingdom of God, in this world that values loud over quiet, big over small, uh, public over private, like God wants our hearts and our whole lives. And sometimes success isn't merely defined in what you accomplish, what people say about you, how many things you have. It's, that's not how God defines it at all. And that success for God is so much bigger than that. As we train them to grow in favor with God, and man, it's about the heart and the mind, and the, it's about everything. And that's the template that we're working from. And that's the template you and I, if we're doing a little inventory of our lives, we can, we can even go back to that template of are we growing in, in stature and wisdom and in favor with God and man. And as we continue, we're going to continue to add to that, tweak it, experiment. But I think this is a great place for us to start. That's great, Mike. Why does this matter? <laughs> or how do we do all this? These are great ideas. Having emotionally intelligent 
teenagers that are filled with integrity. You know, how do we get there? And what do we, what's our part to play in it? Well, I want to go back to the idea of setting the table or preparing your house. How are we gonna prepare God's house for these young ones? And I think back to the idea of preparing my house for, for our first little one and second little one and third little one, and reading books and getting excited about it and, and rearranging furniture. Some of you may remember this. Or now when I hear about um, my brothers and sister-in-law having babies uh, or my, my sisters having kids, like how I would get excited about welcoming a new one into my family. Like, let's get into that headspace for a second while we talk about the mindset when you and I are expecting company, when we're expecting not just company, but new family members that we're responsible for, that, that we get to be a part of their lives. Not just a metaphorical table or a house, but like, this is part of our mission as Jesus followers. So the first thing I wanna submit to you is your mindset. That, that to be a part of Solid Ground Church is to be a part. This isn't just something that the staff are doing or the youth ministries are doing. This is something that we are doing. Like, have it sit down at the table. Like, this is some place that we engage. That, that there is no kids' table at Solid Ground Church. Like, the, the kids belong, but also it's our job to include them. Uh, kids, uh, and, and even if you don't have interaction with kids, like just ministering to parents, encouraging parents, getting to know them, that's actually youth ministry and kids ministry too. Uh, when we're getting ready to have uh, uh, people over or, or new family members, there's investments there, of resources. My goodness, yeah, filling out a, a baby registry. You ever looked at those for your family members and friends? We, we invest our resources and to get them that new baby bouncy thing or, or whatever it is. Uh, it takes a lot of time. And we share whatever talents we have. Uh, maybe, maybe we're a little bit more patient and we say, okay, we got the kids tonight. You guys go have a date. Or, or maybe we do have a talent uh, of experience. I remember calling, oh my goodness, we, Marie and I were brand new in our church in Tulsa, and our, our middle child was almost three years old at the time, and we didn't know very many people in town, but there was this couple at our church, Miriam and Donovan, that we called on at about three in the morning. They had a few grandkids, and they'd raised two kids. We called them at three in the morning because our daughter wouldn't stop crying. She had this cough that sounded like something from another world, like like a dying moose. Like There's like a kid cough, and then there's like dying large game cough that scared the living daylights out of us. And I'll never forget the investment they made in our, in our lives that night, where they came to our house, they were, you know, tired, they listened to Clara, they held her in their arms, and then Miriam said, what you need to do is turn the shower on as hot as it'll go, let the bathroom steam up and take Clara in there. And that investment of their time and their wisdom made all the difference. It took Clara in there, and for whatever reason, Miriam's muscle memory, her experience, she knew exactly what to do. It may be a different situation, and hopefully it won't be at three in the morning, but maybe you can invest in someone like that, or just praying for us 
Uh, we've got these new uh, hires that we're looking for. We're looking for SG Kids, uh, kids worker and SG Kids nursery worker. And as, as they come into our church family, pray for them. Uh, maybe you can volunteer to help them out. Um, maybe that's your investment. And another one uh, we can do to, to be a part is to be a cheerleader of what's going on at our church. And as we celebrate families coming back to our church and having kids ministry every single week and adding kids components to, to what we do here online, like be a cheerleader. Like when you have a new family member, you grandparents out here, you know what I'm talking about. You're an unstoppable force when you have a grandkid. I've, I've been in ministry long enough to remember the fold-out things in people's wallets where the pictures would just fall down all the way to the floor. But now with your smartphones, it's even worse. On Sunday, hey, Pastor Mike, look, I've, I've got a grandbaby. And like 500 pictures, 500 swipes later. You, you, and, and no one ever faults us for that. What if we cultivated a sense of expectancy with what God is going to do at our church and more importantly than size or momentum, but just expecting God to change the lives of families and kids in our church. And we can channel that uh, no matter what our age is, our inner grandparent and cheerlead going, look what God is doing and look at the people that God has here. And it's, it's, it's a little bit of a counter, counterintuitive thing in our culture because we don't just hear genuine, sincere encouragement these days. We live in a culture of critics, but what if we're supposed to be different as we follow Jesus? What if being a part of this place means that we reshare posts or we, we, uh, from, from church members that we saw, oh, that was really good and, and that was really encouraging or, or just a genuine text message or letter saying, I think you're awesome. You said this to me the other day or I admire this about you. It doesn't happen a lot in our culture. That's something everybody can do, and it's also something everybody needs. And also, uh, pray about our, our future as a church. Like, ask that God would open doors. Specifically, our, our in-person campus sits between two gigantic apartment complexes. And we've tried every which way to, to put door hangers on and, and, and the, the management changes. That's a whole, like, we've tried, we've pushed and pulled and twisted this, this opportunity that we have. And we haven't had open doors yet. But every time, and I, I take prayer walks through these uh, apartment complexes and try to meet people. But pray that God would open doors because there's so many families, like, literally at our doorstep. You can be a part of, of changing the legacy of this church and ushering us in to the next, uh, the next season of ministry and pray that God would supernaturally open doors at the apartment complexes that surround our church. And last of all, uh, for those, especially for those of us that consider solid ground church our home, you know what it's gonna take for us to see the next generation grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, we're gonna to have to be flexible. You know, someone may take our seat at the table. We may have to change plans here or there. Uh, we may have to, to change the menu now and then to, 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 to make sure that, 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 that we can nourish these next generations. 
Let's not become so infatuated with all the details, whether programming, methods, and let's stay infatuated with our purpose that God has put us here online and in person, that we're here to, to see Jesus change lives. And let's do whatever we can, short of sin, to remove the barriers that would keep people from hearing God's good news and hearing it in their hearts. So uh, I don't believe for one second that this church is just destined to fade away as the years go by. Like No way. If, we're, if we dig in now and we, we all say, this is my church and I'm gonna do whatever I can to ensure that, that this next generation grows up knowing who Jesus is and falls in love with Jesus. I know that Solid Ground Church will be a life-changing force for generations to come, but all of us have a part to play in it. So one real practical, uh, one practical thing we can do right now is to head over to sgbic.com and we've got right there on the front page, we've got this button you can click that'll take you to this next generations page and a list of ways you can be a part, all the way from praying to volunteering and, and other things in between. And let us know what you can do because everybody has something to contribute and not everybody can contribute or should contribute in the same way. But I want us to all feel like we're involved in this and, and expecting to God to show up and be the God that we know God is. So if you would please just take a moment and just pray over our church and, and asks that God would lead us. So right wherever you are, I wanna pray for you, but also let's just ask God for his wisdom. So please join me now. Dear Heavenly Father, what an awesome privilege it is to be a part of something you care about so much. Would you please open our eyes to, to ways that we can serve? And God, would you please right now uh, just go and minister to the people that even aren't online yet and a part of this congregation or in person yet and start preparing their hearts. God, would you please give us, uh, fill us with your spirit and give us a sense of boldness. Give us a vision. Help us to see more clearly what you want to do in this church and how we can be a part of it. We need your wisdom, God. We need your strength. We need your healing. Um, Dear Jesus, this is all for you. We pray this in your mighty and holy and powerful name we pray. Amen. All right. Next week is Palm Sunday. I can't wait to see whoever you've invited here. Make sure that you say hi. Let us know who you've brought. Um, we're going to have a, a gospel presentation. And, and i just um, so excited for what God is doing here. And I hope that you have a great week. And we want to know what's going on in your life, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at sgbic.com. We want to pray with you. We want to celebrate with you and do life with you. So uh, don't be shy over there too, uh, in between Sundays. So until we are together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. And may God give you his peace in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.